0: Welcome friends to our podcast, Arise My Darling. My name is Andrea and I am joined by my very sweet friend Liz. We want this to be a space that encourages and invites you to become more aware of the ways that God is constantly pursuing you.
1: To awaken you to be on the lookout for sweet kisses our Lord sends you each day because you have ravished his heart. So snuggle in and get ready for epic adventures, unexplainable friendship, and an abundance of joy. Hello, our darlings, and welcome back for another episode. Here we are again, and we're so excited. to Just keep diving into goodness together.
0: Amen. And Amen. How are you doing, Andrea? I'm really well. I am really well. I am about halfway through another Theology of the Body class, um, and... Man, I cannot say enough good things about it. Liz, you were 100% right. And strongly encourage our darlings to spend some time. Just there's a lot of resources. So if you just want to read yeah. something, great. But there's online classes, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. But the material here is excellent. And it has been a very, very sweet gift to me all this week. And it's a lot of work and it's a deep dive, but I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. So how are you, Miss mm-hmm. Liz?
1: I am exhausted also. (laughs) Just so in love with Jesus. So like, it's okay. I definitely need some sleep. Um, But we, uh, I just got done, or we're in the middle as we're recording this, we're in the middle of our Hoosier Catholic week, which is just our like big spring outreach week. And we came off of retreat and there's just February and March guys. It is Crazy in campus ministry, and honestly, probably April. I say that it's like going to alleviate, but I don't know that it actually will until we're till we hit May. But man, I love my job, I really do. I love it, even though I, yeah, could use more sleep. Like my body is tired, but my heart is full, um, which is so lovely. Also, as you were talking about theology of the body, Andrew, I'm just like I just want to chant like T O B, T O B. Hugs, it's so good. It Seriously, is. I think there's a theology of the body for beginners. No, yeah. that Christopher West. Um, I, wrote. You I, read were, that. You I read that. You read
0: that book, right? Yeah, I did.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like that would be a good starting place if someone wanted to dive you know, into it? Actually,
0: to? I think the best starting place is um, a smaller book that he has. If you want to just immediately jump in, Eclipse of the Body mm. is excellent. It's a very small book. It really hits all the big points. And it addresses some of what we kind of see as a world gone crazy around us, mm. um, which I think is a felt issue that a lot of us are experiencing right now. Um, yeah. But no, I think I think start there, that'll wet your whistle, and then you'll be excited to keep going on and doing more stuff. <laughs> Liz likes it when I bring in some of the wet more traditional phrases. <laughs> with the clips of the body. So what are we talking about today,
1: Liz? We are talking about gentle living. And I think this really came out of a place out of prayer because I was just I was looking at Jesus, right? Okay, the whole point of discipleship (laughs) is to become like Jesus. Like, that's the whole point. Like, it's why we do discipleship here on college campuses. Like, it's to teach people how to live in imitation of Jesus. Like, that is what we're doing. Giving them tools to do that. Amen. And so if we look at the way that Jesus lived, one of the things that always just, like, floors me is how inefficient Jesus is. Like, (laughs) he just does not care about efficiency. And uh, I think a lot about the the story of the Samaritan woman, right? And when you talk about like the route that he needed to take, like Samaria was nowhere on the route that he like needed to go to get from like point A to point B, but he needed to go see this woman. So he went way out of his way, right? Because he needed to encounter this woman. So there is like, I think that that story just really demonstrates that encountering a soul is always at the top priority of everything that Jesus does. And I desire that to be how I live my life, that Mm -hmm. encountering Jesus and encountering my neighbor is always at the priority is always at the forefront of everything that I do. And I think we just quickly lose sight of that because even in ministry there is just such a temptation to like fall into this efficiency like how can we do things most efficiently to uh yeah accomplish this task and it's just not that's not how Jesus lived at all and so yeah we're just going to talk about that talk about what that what that looks like how we cannot do that <laughs> amen amen
0: and i think efficiency often uh brings us back to tasks and to-do mm-hmm. lists, and what we've consistently communicated on this podcast, and, and the transformation we're asking God to do in our lives, is that we don't live for the things, we live for the people. We live for the encounters, we live for, mm-hmm. we live in a sense of our presence is the gift, not our accomplishments. And so I think when our focus is of efficiency, that it's going to lean us into the area of our accomplishments are what are the most important things in our life. And it's really our presence. And that presence I think becomes more and more beautiful when we engage in gentle living. So Liz, you were telling me about this encounter you had at one of your retreats with uh, one of the sisters and just develop that a little bit, because I think it's a great example of the power of a gentle heart.
1: Yeah. So we had the blessing of spending the last three days with a couple of sisters of life, which is a religious organization in based out of New York City. They're only about; they were started in the '90s, so they're newer. So a lot of their sisters are just very young, vibrant women. And one of their big ministries that they do is they help women that um, have had abortions or heal from that or give counseling to women who are maybe considering an abortion or they're in a crisis pregnancy and they just need support. They need help. Um, and then they also do a lot of accompaniments with women on college campuses. So just wonderful. And one of the sisters, Sister Mary Grace, she gave a couple of the talks and I just couldn't take my eyes off of her. Like she was just so gorgeous. And it wasn't because like, it it was, it was so much deeper, right? We've, we've talked about beauty before. Like it wasn't this aesthetic, like she was gorgeous because she reflected God so profoundly. And mm-hmm. I could see this freedom that she was living in where she just knew who she was and whose she was. Mm-hmm. And I found myself just captivated by her. And I realized at first I was like, Oh, this must mean I'm called to be a sister because I'm like, wow, look at her. She's so beautiful. I want to be like her. And then as I took it to prayer and like talked to Jesus, I realized that it was something bigger that it wasn't this, it wasn't so much that this question of like, am I called to religious life? Am I called to marriage? But it was this like desire and this ache within my heart to live with greater freedom. Amen. Because she had this ease about the way that she just went about her interactions with people. Like, when you were talking to her she just looked at you and you were the only person that mattered Amen. and she spent the whole day meeting with women back to back and when i met with her later in the day like she did not seem exhausted at all no. because there was just this <laughs> yeah she was just deeply in love with jesus and i've been wrestling with this idea of how can we model our lives after this freedom and vibrancy and ease that the sisters are living, how can we do that as lay people? How can we do that as people in the world? And I think that our lives make it more challenging, but not impossible, not impossible.
0: Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at a little bit of Psalm 127, and then we're just going to dive into this idea of how does choosing a gentle life. And I think there is a choosing that happens with that uh, a way for us to start moving with this ease, to uh, have encountering people be the cornerstone of our lives versus giving way to the world's call to be efficient and do the tasks and get things done and live in that kind of rat race, if you will. So mm-hmm. will you take a minute to read Psalm 127, Liz?
1: Yeah. Unless the Lord builds the house I just,
0: I just want to believe that about God (laughs) that he can sleep because we all know Andrea is a big fan of naps. Um, Big 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 fan, fan, big fan. So I think there's a lot of things we can pull out of there, but the main one that I hear is that anxious living is never God's heart for us. Like that's just not what he wants. And that the key comes back to this idea that if God is not building it, we labor in vain. So that, pull of the world to do things efficiently, to check all the boxes, that that is just, that's not God's heart for us because it does create this anxiety. And the truth is, is we can do all that. And Mm -hmm. if God is the one who hasn't been building, we labor in vain. And that is a terrible feeling. Oh my gosh, that is such a terrible feeling. I feel like that's what all I've been doing since I went on sabbatical is asking and seeking God how do I stop doing that? Like, how do I stop laboring in vain? Because I feel like I was told how to do it. And that was to give complete permission to the gods of efficiency and pack as much as I can into my life, say yes to all of it, and then just be as faithful as I could, that that would be the key to really serving and loving God well. And it kind of blew up in my face, if I'm honest. And it took a huge toll on me. And I feel like a lot of what I walked away with was a feeling of laboring in vain. And so for me, this is how God has directed my life, is to really focus on this idea of gentleness. And, uh, you know, gentle and kind are words that I interchange very quickly. (laughs) And so that is the question I use often, not only for my own life, but I know we've talked about this many times. What would be kind? What would be kind because I believe God is kind and God's kindness actually leads us to repentance, which allows us to let go of the things that bind us and accept our freedom and step into uh, some of the wholeness and healing that we desperately need in our souls. Um, Because I know anxiety has anxiety and fear have run a lot of my life. They just have. Mm -hmm. And when we give ourselves to gentle living, I just don't think they have a place to grow. Like anxiety kind of loses interest in us (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I'm living gently. I think we define gentle living depending on where we're at in our life in the season that we're in. Um, Because what's gentle to me and what's gentle to you are two different things. And and so I, I think that we need to give each other a lot of freedom as to how that term even gets defined in our lives. And so it is unkind for me in this season of my life to have an alarm. I, I, I kid you not, like I, it seems like a really simple thing, but it is, it has been transformative to me that I don't feel shoved out of bed every morning. Like it, yeah. it is so kind to me and God has even gone the extra mile in that area with me to teach me that that was such an important thing for me by waking my body up minutes before my alarm for years, this has been going on. Where my alarm is just about to go off, and God wakes me up, and wow. I realize how. I you would do that for me. Oh well, you just pray for it. Honestly, just pray for it, because I don't think I knew that that was not gentle. Like God yeah. has been teaching me how to be gentle with my life, mm-hmm. and so that was one of the things. Even at this conference that I was at, my my uh, roommate. <laughs> had an alarm that went off at six o'clock every morning. And I just was like, Oh God, you know how much I hate alarms? So he woke me up at five 30 every morning at that conference. Wow. And, and it was so kind. It was so kind to me.
1: Yes. As you're talking about, yeah, just gentle living and it looks different in different seasons. I know that I'm in a season right now of my life where I'm called to work. Like there's a lot of seasons in our life that we are called to work. Right. And so I was thinking a lot about, because I think gentle living, you can be like, oh, Andrea and Liz are telling me I just like don't need to do anything. And I should just like <laughs> wake up whenever I want, have slow mornings, you know, not do a lot of work, blah, blah, blah. Or at least, I don't know that in my head, that's like what I feel like the, it could be like perceived <laughs> as, but if we remember back in the garden, Adam is given the task of working the garden. Like from the beginning, like work is ordained. Like it is this opportunity for us to encounter God. And so like work is good. And where I think like this verse, it doesn't say anxious work. It says anxious toil, which toil is different than work because toil is like, there's no point in it. Like you're just doing it for nothing, right? Gentle living doesn't mean you're not going to do things, but it means that when you work, that you're doing them for the Lord to encounter him and to allow yourself to be encountered by him. And that is like where the gentleness comes into because you're not getting sucked up into these expectations that other people have for your life or how it should be running because one person, right? One person could be like, it makes a lot of sense, Andrea, that you're saying that it looks different. Gentle living looks different for everyone Um, because we're all called to, live out mission. We're all called to live our lives differently. Like it just, yes. it pans out that way. And so it's important to go to Jesus and to be like, okay, Lord, how are you asking me to love you? Like, how are you asking me to encounter you today? My priest, he gave us this morning offering that you can do with a crucifix. And I love it. I just started doing it like last week and it has just been really beautiful. So there's like four points in a crucifix, right? So you touch the top of the crucifix and you offer up your day. And you're like, Jesus, I give you everything that I do today, all my works, all of the, all my thoughts, like everything that I, that I have today, like I give to you. And then you hold the left side of the crucifix and you ask for a continual conversion. Like, Lord, let my heart continuously be converted and to fall more in love with you. Like Mm -hmm. allow me to fall more in love with you today. And then you move to the foot of the cross and you ask for, he said like solidarity. So asking for Jesus, send me someone that I can love today. Someone that I can be Christ-like to you. Like, let me be your feet, right? Your hands and your feet. So you like pray for that. And then you move up to the right side of the cross and you pray for protection against the enemy. Nice. Um, And so like, kind of just like, like Jesus, like protect me from the arrows of the enemy And let me like have the courage to do your will. Mm -hmm. And then I usually like kiss the feet of Jesus. And that's how I start my morning. I've been starting my mornings. And it is a game changer. It is a game changer because I think it just right from the get go, like sets me in a place of like, I want, like from the very moment that I get up, I want to orient my life towards Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there is just a gentleness in there because At the end of the day, when I'm reflecting on like, okay, how was the day? Because I oriented from the beginning that like, all I want to do is like, have my heart more converted to like fall more in love with Jesus and to offer up everything that I do for him. As long as I do that, (laughs) (laughs) cha-ching, like score, it's been a successful day. (laughs) And it does just help me. Like, I think he just pours out graces in those prayers and those morning offerings and that sounds like a
0: fantastic practice maybe to take on during Lent. Like when I was playing the rosary last year, that mm-hmm. that was a gentleness that came over my soul. And every time I pray the rosary now, it just feels like an old friend. And so mm-hmm. some of these ways, they're gentle, but they're also starting new practices that allow for that gentleness. And so I agree with you completely. There is an absolute place for work and and I want to bless work. I do not want to pendulum swing from workaholic to all work is bad. That is not the moral of this story at all. But I have been challenged before the Lord to take the learning that has happened in my sabbatical time. And as I come back into the world to apply it to the work that I believe Mm -hmm. God has set out in front of me. Um, So that gentleness and work find a happy marriage with one another. And like you said, bring me back to encountering Christ, encountering my brother, um, allowing for that freedom that you saw in the sister to radiate because there's a understanding of I am the sum of my presence, not my to do list. Amen. Um, So, so yeah, and and I think this becomes uh, this becomes a huge gift to to us and to those around us to just model that. Just exactly what you said with the sister, like Mm -hmm. you were so drawn to her, and she was just emanating the peace of Christ. Because that's ultimately to live gently is to embrace peace and to trust God. Like I don't know how else you can live gently. Now, I will set my alarm if I have to catch a plane, but I, I kid you not, God's probably going to wake me up before that alarm. I, I mean, I have statistical evidence to, sh- to just show you that like That's crazy. God, God will show up big time on these kind of things. And I, yeah. and I take that so personally because He knows me and He Amen. knows the thing knows- that yeah. will speak the deepest to my soul of how good He really is, that He'll do that mm-hmm. for me specifically. Um, So that's why I hit
1: the snooze every morning because I believe that that is (laughs) gentle. At least I tell myself that. I'm like Jesus would want me to hit the snooze button, (laughs) which is actually probably not true, but I convince myself. I'm like, geez, this is what's going to happen if I like if I am in purgatory or like if I need to be punished, is I'll have to do an expense report and. (laughs) Wake up to an alarm every single day. Like, honestly, that would be my hell. <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> but for reals, though, I was having a conversation with my sister the other day. And she is in her first year of teaching and is just is having a rough time. Like just has Our, some really challenging behaviors is, um, with her kids. It's a hard
0: year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And doesn't have a lot of isn't getting a lot of support because they just aren't enough people. It's not that they don't want to give her support. It's just they don't have enough AIDS to like have AIDS in the classroom and stuff. And, and she's sharing her heart with me. And I just, I felt, I was like, that sucks. Like yes. I just affirmed that it's like super hard. And then I just was able to just speak and remind her that the Lord calls us into, like the reason that she was called into teaching yeah. was because the Lord believes that that is the profession that's going to bring her closest to his heart. Hmm. Like he would not have moved her heart to become a teacher. And especially with this population of like working with children with special needs, if it wasn't his desire to meet her there and to allow it to stretch her capacity to love and to fall more in love with him. Mm -hmm. And I just like reminded her of that because I need to be reminded of that, right? That we're not just in we're not just called to these, our jobs or these like vocations because God's like, well, you need to do something to make money to provide for your family. It's like, yes, that's important. But like, there's a bigger picture here yeah. and we need to like step back and like get the 30,000 foot view of it. Right. Of yep. no, God has orchestrated and has specifically called you into this job for your transformation, for you to become more like him. And it's like, it's beautiful that people's lives will be changed through the work that you do. Like what beautiful fruit, but like, that's not why he's calling you to work. He's calling you to work so he can love you and you can in turn, like love him more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really well said. As we were talking earlier, uh, we both agreed that gentle living actually requires sacrifice, which I don't know is always intuitive, right? Mm -hmm. But. I can only live gently because I'm saying no to some things. That is what allows the space for gentleness. Nice.
1: Key key is space
0: that I uh, I live my life with margin. And I'm I'm a mom with four kids still. Yeah, they're not right here in my house but I'm still juggling that. There's a lot of people I love that I could be praying for regularly. There's a lot of volunteer organizations that I have been asked to step in and do this. Like I could pack out my schedule, whether or not I go to a nine to five job, I can still live that way. If I'm trying to find my value and worth in that way, um, that's, that's a problem. Um, but the gentle living that God is, encouraged me with and and here's the other part the beauty of my sabbatical was that I tasted it like I tasted life in a gentle place and the truth is is initially it scared me because I was like clearly I've not been living in gentle spaces (laughs) like this is very uncomfortable because it's so new to me but then when I let it permeate I was like this is actually really beautiful and it was a kind of a new form of love from God is how it felt to me, that, that it's okay for me to live gently. Like, I just didn't feel like I had a lot of permission to do that mm-hmm. for any number of reasons. And it's not terribly important what those are, but my desires are often the result of things that God has put in my own heart. Mm -hmm. And for me to play those out and being gentle um, allows me to have this sweetness of relationship with God that I I don't know that I had when I was younger because I packed out the schedule and it was alarm clocks and get to it and do this and make sure you pack in as much as you can because I I probably was living in a space of earning uh, God's love Mm -hmm. instead of just enjoying the fact that I already had God's love.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to like a way that, that you can live out this way, this gentle living is to have these anchor points in your day of just checking in with Jesus. And well they don't so. have to be super long, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, I know that it's like the sisters, they pray for like six hours a day, okay? We don't have that capacity oh, wow. in the life that we're living. <laughs> Their lives are incredible. I looked at a day in life and but it's like so simple. They start with prayer, they have meals together, they close like they meet for prayer midday. They end in prayer in the evening. They just are anchored throughout their day. There's always this drawback to Jesus. Yeah, go do what you need to do and come back. And and so it's like these points that well are kind of check-ins that you can think like, Am I taking Jesus with me in all that I'm doing? Or am I leaving him in these checkpoints and going into self-reliance and getting super task oriented? So having moments in your day, that's why the morning offering, I love, yeah. I want to get better about doing a short exam in the evening to check in, yeah. but then also to have a midpoint for us. We do mass in the afternoon. We go to 1215 mass. So I get there a couple minutes early. And just kind of reflect, okay, how am I feeling? How am I doing? Yeah. Jesus, take the wheel. Like, holy cow, I I need you to nourish me. I, ne- I need to rely on you deeper. I bring him things that I'm worried about or conversations, hard conversations I'm going to have. And I just lay it all at his the f- foot of his cross like at mass in the afternoon. So we have these checkpoints in our day as missionaries, but anybody can do this, right? Yes. Just looking at your schedule. And I think first examining like, are there things that I could let go of, that I could say no to. Yeah, Um, That's like step number one. And then after you do some pruning, allow the Lord, invite the Lord into that and like allow him to help you with some pruning of your schedule. Then ask yourself, okay, these are the things that the Lord is calling me to do. I have a responsibility to that is part of my job. How can I bring Jesus into these places in my life and see where you can put those anchor points throughout your day to just Have a little check-in, right? Maybe it's just like a minute or two. Maybe it's a small prayer that you say at three o'clock or at noon or something that we're drawing our hearts back to Jesus and reminding, allowing him to remind us that he says, come to me, right? And rest.
0: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
1: Mm. Yes. See, the key to gentle living is Jesus. Like he, <laughs> he this is, he's the reason all this works. <laughs> and if we don't, yeah, if we don't have him as an anchor in our days, we will forever serve the God of efficiency.
0: Amen. Amen. Yep. Really well said. Really well said. So our darlings, as we enter into the Lent season, we encourage you to let go of some things and find that maybe that one practice that you've thought about. I know a friend of mine recently uh, introduced me to a new app that's called The Examine. And we do it together once in a while, uh, she calls, and we just walk through it together at night. And it's it's very gentle, um, but it's a new practice, like you were saying, Liz. And uh, to maybe do that consistently through Lent, allow it to speak to you both in terms of changing how you're living your life, but also uh, give you a chance to taste and see that the Lord is good um, mm-hmm. and allow Jesus to show you what, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. So Liz, Amen. do you have a sweet kiss this week?
1: Um, absolutely. Absolutely. My sweet kiss. Well, I got a slobbery smooch <laughs> on my birthday. <laughs> my birthday was on the 21st of February. Yes, it was. And I was so loved. I was Good. loved so well. Good. The whole day, everybody let me choose what we did during the day. And people rearranged their work schedules and took time out of their day to drive to Indy. We went to Mass and... Ate at a brunch place. And then we went to Trader Joe's, the grocery Ugh. store. One of your got, favorite places on the planet. I know. I got a free bouquet of flowers because it was my Aww, birthday. I know that. It was That's really cool. sweet. Yeah. And then we had a women's night. And the priest pulled me up in front of all these women. There's probably like, I don't know, 60 women there. And they just blessed me. And they had everybody extend their hands over me and offer up this blessing over me. And there was men that were serving at women's night and they all sang happy birthday to me and <laughs> then we had cake and everybody just affirmed me and it was guys my love tank was so full it was so full and i was like wow jesus this is just a taste of the vast wild love that you have for me and so thank you for allowing me to see it to see the ways that how much i'm loved by others but also how much he loves me through me experiencing other people's love for me. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. amazing. (laughs) Yeah. What is your sweet kiss, Andrea?
0: Well, I was uh, telling Liz this earlier, but I am now the new candle girl at my church. And it is... (laughs) I only, I can only say that because the person who just trained me was called the candle girl. So she literally passed the mantle to me as candle girl, which is just filling the red votives, um, for the prayers, um, filling those weekly. And, uh, in some ways you would be like, oh, well, that's nice. I'm glad you're serving the church that way. But it is so much more than that. And Liz has some appreciation for this because in a position I had years ago, I would come in very early and I would pray over the chairs and I would be alone in the church. And it's where I learned how to just pray at a different level, to um, pray prophetically, uh, to sing prophetically. Like it was just one of the sweetest places of communion with my God was in the quiet of a church and praying over chairs. And so I'm so excited to to be in that space again where I'm praying over the pews and praying over the candles and just alone in the church and singing before my God. And so it is a sweeter gift than I even realized when I first said yes to it. I was like, oh, sure, I could help in that way. And then I'll I was candle like, girl. wait, candle girl means... <laughs> And I, I mean, seriously, I was like in tears when I realized that God was bringing something back into my life that had been just a very, very sweet kiss. So I'm extremely thankful for that.
1: Mm. Wow. He's obsessed with you.
0: I, you know, I'm starting to come around to that idea. I really (laughs) am. I think he's particularly fond of you, Liz.
1: Oh, I know he's obsessed with me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Amen.
0: Well, will you take us out with our verse, please? I would love to.
1: Our darlings remember that to your lover, he comes to you and says, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me.